you ever felt that traditional workshops sometimes lack the dynamic free-flowing exchange of ideas and that they limit capacity to think creatively and collaboratively? Well, that was my experience until a few years ago when I was in Scotland, as it happens in Andy Murray's hotel. He has a hotel, or at least he did at the time, north of Edinburgh. And there I was facilitating a World Cafe workshop for a prominent Hong Kong bank. I'd never encountered World Cafe before, and I was a co-facilitator. And we helped to encourage free-flowing ideas and improve client relationships in an industry which is often constrained by regulations and compliance. And what did this? The World Cafe method. We had bankers, product managers, customer service representatives, and more gathered in a room, not for a traditional meeting, but for a cafe-like conversation. And over the course of the day, we saw a transformation, and the room buzzed with energy as people moved from table to table, as if they were going around a cafe, cross-pollinating ideas and building on each other's thoughts. And by the end of the day, we had a plethora of new product ideas and, more importantly, a renewed approach to relationships both within and outside the business. And the thing that had unlocked this was the World Cafe Method, unlocking creativity and collaboration that often isn't the outcome from some kinds of workshops. People were free to speak up, every idea was valued, and connections were made. And if that resonates with you, that's the topic of this week's episode. What is the World Cafe Method, and how could you use this with your clients? This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for people like you and me. If you're a self-employed consultant, a trainer, a coach, a facilitator, this is the place for you because the focus of this show is on the journey, the outcome of you making money from your expertise, from your knowledge, your programs, your workshops, books, keynotes, courses, your intellectual property effectively, all the stuff that you've developed and have refined over the years. Maybe you're new to this journey, in fact, and many people are, and they say, this is why this show is so valuable. They're listening to LinkedIn learning instructors, established authors, experts who've made mistakes and come up with breakthroughs, and they want to share this with you. And that's why I have them as guests on the show. And this week, it's just you and I. And who am I? Well, that's a great question. I'm a self-employed trainer, a coach, and a business partner in a coaching business. And I've been employed, self-employed, and unemployed, and have made loads of mistakes over the years. And of course, this is the value of the podcast, sharing them with you, and of course, sharing those of other people on the show. And if you've not yet heard the show before, now's your chance to subscribe, to click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they come out. It costs absolutely nothing. Episodes appear every Thursday on your podcast platform of choice, and it only takes a couple of seconds. 
Now, I mentioned to you before the music that today we're going to look at um, what's called the World Cafe Method. And there was a time when this was new to me. And since then, I've run this a couple of times. Sometimes I've been a co-facilitator or a lead facilitator, and I've seen fantastic results. So we're going to cover a couple of things today together. First of all, what exactly is this World Cafe Method? Where has this come from? Where is this useful? What are the seven, you could say, principles, the World Cafe principles to make this work? And then what would be the five steps to make this work for you? And then we'll give you some resources, and that will be the episode. Anything else, uh, including links, will of course be over on trainingbusiness.com on the accompanying episode page for this podcast, www.trainingbusiness.com. So let's go back to the beginning. What is the World Cafe Method? And more importantly, where has this come from? Well, it was born out of a moment in 1995 when two people, Juanita Brown and David Isaacs, were allegedly hosting a small gathering of business and academic people in Mill Valley, California. And their observation was that often the most vibrant, meaningful, useful conversations at gatherings or meetings or conferences or workshops often occur not in the events, but often in the breaks between the events, like coffee breaks. I wonder if you've noticed that too, when people don't feel that they're you know, under the microscope or they have to speak up, that sometimes they speak more freely. And when formal presentations end or people are on lunch breaks or in breakout sessions, they're more vocal, sometimes more creative and participative. And this could be over coffee, which is where, of course, this idea emerged from. And inspired by this observation, they ask themselves the question, what if we could create an environment that mimics or emulates this relaxed, open atmosphere, but within a structured setting like a workshop. So the World Cafe method was conceived and developed, and the goal was to facilitate open dialogue, cross-pollination of ideas between people within a larger group, and, of course, tapping into the collective wisdom, knowledge, expertise in an event. And this is why many, many facilitators use this as a means to bring people together and get them to co-creatively or co-actively create something which comes from people in the room. And since its inception or invention, the World Cafe Method has traveled far beyond that home or place in California back in 95 and has been applied in a range of contexts around the world, which leads me to the question, where could you run this? Well, private sector, public sector, business, government, education, uh, social change. There's no real border or limit to the number of contexts in which you can use this. If there are people, if there's a challenge which people recognize, and those people can together come up with a, a solution for that challenge, then the World Cafe Method could arguably be used. So what are the principles of the World Cafe Method? That's part two today. And there are seven key principles, as I understand them. One, setting the context. Two, creating relevant or hospitable space. Three, exploring questions that matter. Four, encouraging everyone's contribution. Five, cross-pollination and connecting diverse perspectives. Six, listening together for patterns, insights, and deeper questions. 
And finally, seven, harvesting and sharing collective discoveries. Let's go through those together, okay? So, one, setting the context. What is the purpose of this gathering, your client's gathering, or this workshop or dialogue? Are you helping them to brainstorm new product ideas or seeking ways to improve teamwork and collaboration? So what's the purpose? And this context sets the stage and focuses people's minds as participants on the discussions to follow. So we want some kind of setup before we have the open up, if you will. The second thing is creating hospitable space. And the reason is that environments are conducive to emotional and psychological safety. We know this as professional facilitators and trainers and coaches. And what Juanita and David discovered was that often the cafe-like atmosphere encourages people to open up like they would in a canteen or in a Starbucks or some coffee shop. It's not just about the physical space, therefore it's about creating an environment where people feel that it's okay to speak up, to voice their thoughts, share their ideas, even if they might think they're not helpful, and but often they are. The third thing then is exploring questions that matter. So we're not leading necessarily with solutions. Instead, we're leading with questions. So the World Cafe method emphasizes conversations that hold value. And therefore, we focus on the right questions to ask people to engage them. We want their solutions Therefore, questions have to come first, and these spark energy and engagement. The fourth principle is encouraging everyone's contribution. Everyone has a place. Everyone's ideas are equal. Despite job titles, we want to create a space where people feel their thoughts are valued, heard, noted, not justified, but shared. And can you imagine the wisdom that can be harnessed when people feel like this. It's amazing how many ideas come from unexpected places. So the World Cafe has everyone sitting down as equals, sharing ideas. It's really important to set that tone. Principle five, cross-pollination and connecting diverse perspectives. In a World Cafe, using the World Cafe method, participants are encouraged to switch tables, literally to get up and move around. So at one table, there is one theme or one question or a series of questions. People have a limited amount of time at that table and they interact with different people's ideas. And so therefore, there is this movement of ideas around the room as people physically move around the room. And this leads to innovative thinking and deepens shared understanding. Principle six is listening together for patterns, insights, and deeper questions. As participants, you know, share their ideas, um, patterns emerge often, and insights begin to surface. And we may realize, hmm, we haven't tried that before. Why don't we do that? What would be a question here to ask ourselves? And so deeper questions come into view. And this collective listening means that people don't just gather things, but we consider things, we validate things. And this is a really potent or powerful tool for shared understanding and insight. And finally, principle seven is that we must do something with these ideas, which have come from the people that you're working with. So after this dialogue and exchange of ideas, there is what we call a process of harvesting. So we're harvesting, collecting the insights, the themes, the patterns, 
the, the deeper questions which have emerged throughout the day, and sometimes it's a whole day, in fact it usually is, and this harvest, if you will, is then shared with everyone. And this is where you could come in. And I've often seen this done with two facilitators, where one person is literally capturing the themes that emerge from each group as they go around the table or tables, and then one person's on the floor with those individual tables or groups of people. But either way, someone must ensure that the key themes are harvested and put up somewhere that we can all see them, maybe question them, and interact with them. And what I've done in the past is literally encourage people to come up and vote on things and apply red, green, or amber stickers to vote things. And therefore, everyone has a democratization experience. We feel that we're contributing to something, and I have a a say on what we do with these things. It's not necessarily the end of the road, but it gives people a sense of closure I've opened up something, someone's done something with my idea, and uh, other people have interacted with that. So how do we implement this World Cafe method? Well, five things. First of all, prepare the cafe. So decide on the purpose of the cafe, and people need to be you know, informed as to what this is, particularly if they've never heard of the World Cafe method before. So you might begin with a question or topic you want your group to explore. And once you have that, you could invite people for, you know, visiting a suitable location. I've run these on site. I've only once run them remotely. You could do the same with the breakout rooms. Um, It's a bit trickier, of course, because you really want to get that energy going. But if you have recourse to a physical space, you can set up the space to mimic a cafe or at least some environment where people feel comfortable and also willing to move around. And therefore, a boardroom setup would not be conducive cabaret would work well or cafe so round tables making it as close to a non-work environment as you can if that helps so people can get involved and feel free to take control of the environment number two is think of questions that you want people to ask you might prompt these you might give them some guide on what makes a great question and you need to ensure that your questions are open-ended perhaps checked with your client They're thought-provoking, and they're powerful. They really make people think, and they should invite inquiry, curiosity, exploration, and consider spending a good amount of time on the step, not just going, here are the questions, off you go. You really want to get people to co-create those questions with you so they feel a sense of ownership. This is what we'll address at these tables. Why? And so we have clear themes. And so it's not self-imposed or imposed from outside. It's something that we build in the room. Not too much time, but enough time to get people to feel those questions have come from us. They're not coming from upstairs or somewhere else, okay? And then step three is to facilitate the cafe with one of you or two of you. Uh, Begin with a welcome. Introduce people to the cafe process. I like to do this beforehand, but I'll do it on the day as well. Introduce the questions or themes which have emerged, uh, and you might want to create those again in the workshop or in the cafe, I should say, if you want to run an an innovation round where people create those questions, first of all, if you've got time, that would make make more sense. And ideally, each round, um, each theme then, is at a particular table. So let's say there are five or six questions that we come up with. One table is where that question lives. And then people are at that table in a group, like 
you know, like a coffee chat for X amount of time, let's say 15, 20 minutes. After that, they get up, move around to the next table where the next question is. And so people love this energy of moving around the room. It's, you know, it's energetic and it's interesting and different. One person stays as the table host at that table and everyone else moves around. So there's always someone then to share what the previous group have come up with. And this is the bit that leads to insights, which is step four, which is to encourage cross-pollination of ideas. So as people move around, they are carrying key insights or ideas from their previous discussions. They're leaving them for other people to see. And this is where the cross-pollination occurs. Now, you might say, why doesn't everyone sit down in one place for the whole day? Well, this is the point. People often open up in a group, a smaller group than they would in front of everyone else. And that's one of the reasons that this method works so well. People are visiting, leaving, investing ideas at each table. And as they're going around the room, they're cross-pollinating with other people. And so the table host can briefly share the main points from that previous discussion. And then the new round uh, begins as they move to the next table and so on. And then step five is to harvest the collective intelligence, which means after several rounds of conversation, it's time to share discoveries, insights, and a whole group conversation. And this bit I love because it gives people a sense of closure or at least progression. And you can ask people to share a story, uh, their chief lesson from the day, chief insight, the most powerful question, what verbal sharing they'd like to make. You can get people to come up and draw things. That's quite useful too. Sometimes I will leave pens on a table. Some people will not necessarily vocalize something, but they'll be very happy to draw something or else come up and draw something. And another thing I've seen people do quite well is they'll bring in someone who actually builds graphics, huge graphics, to create, if you will, a visualization or crystallization of all the ideas in the day. And then people see this and go, oh my goodness, that's my idea there. And this is how that fits into this. And this is something we all come up with today. And it's like um, a piece of, like an artifact, it's sometimes called, that proves that group met, they did this work, and this is the outcome. And people have actually framed these and put them on office walls. The key here is to capture the essence of the conversations and the collective wisdom, collective wisdom of the group, which people love to see. You know, I want to see evidence of my sharing somewhere. The last thing then is follow-up. And this means ensuring that you as a provider give some value in the form of insights, maybe a report, some video, some something which shares as a follow-up the next steps based upon the results of the cafe. Maybe you've got some insights, some um, tool you could run these pieces through, maybe using some kind of AI. People have done that too. Feeding it into ChatGPT, obviously being confidential or at least being aware of the need for confidentiality. And then asking that to extrapolate from that some key insights, which you can then share in a report. And I think that's actually what AI is doing these days. It's shortening this um, part, which often is laborious for us, and, and making it useful for people in a format that's uh, digestible. So there's lots here to unpack, but the World Cafe method is very powerful. It's great fun for you and for me as facilitators, as as subject matter experts, because People have fun on the day and people have said to me, you know, that's the best workshop we've ever done because we got to actually listen to other people. We were respected. We got a chance to share. I got to listen to people's questions, not just their uh, assumptions. 
and it helped me to think things through and also to foster a sense of connection to people in my team. It's amazing how many people don't talk to others outside of their own team or department. Well, this is a chance for you to make this happen. And this often creates a cultural moment in organizations. So think of this as a way to transform, to achieve connection, and to unlock creativity and propel progress for your clients. It might be something you've done before. It might be something you want to revisit. And many of us have not done these things since before COVID. But I can tell you that the number of times I've done this, people always have their minds blown. At the end of the day, having had a great day, there's something that you can put your finger on and say, you came up with that, you came up with that, you came up with that, and this is now what we're going to do with this. And there's the num- a huge number of ways in which the World Cafe method is extremely valuable and also enjoyable from our perspective. So that's it for this week. Uh, I'd love to hear your ideas. You can drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. Perhaps you've got other ideas for uh, methods like the World Cafe method, which have yielded results for you or for your team. And um, again, if you've got any questions, you can email me or simply visit the webpage, this week's episode page over at trainingbusiness.com. And so my team uh, and I, of course, appreciate your time today. And we'd love you to tell others about the, the show and about the website. And if you've got ideas, perhaps for guests or um, subjects to be addressed on the show, let me know. Again, mark at trainingbusiness.com. Otherwise, I know I'll see you again or hear you again. You'll hear from me again next Thursday morning. Until then, look after yourself. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.